Hi, I'm Alex Zavala. Welcome to Hannah Hole's NICU Dad Discussions, a podcast produced exclusively for NICU dads. I'm a NICU dad to two preemie girls, Mia, born at 30 weeks, and Emerson, born at 27 weeks. Combined, my wife Jen and I spent more than 100 days in the NICU. After my last NICU experience, I started a blog called thenicudad.com. I did this to create a safe place for NICU dads to support each other, share their stories, and get much needed information. In this podcast, we will cover many topics that NICU parents face, but from the NICU dad's perspective, such as premature birth, bereavement, PTSD, and many others. These dads who you'll hear share their stories in hope of letting other NICU dads know that they're not alone. We are coming to you today through our NICU Now channel to introduce a new podcast we're launching called NICU Dad Discussions. The NICU experience and journey affects the entire family, especially those NICU dads who are firsthand witnesses to the trauma, stress, and joy a NICU journey can bring. This podcast is for you and hosted by NICU dad, Alex Zavala. Alex is a NICU dad to two preemie girls, Mia, born at 30 weeks, and Emerson, born at 27 weeks. Combined, Alex spent 67 days in the NICU with his girls and started a blog for NICU dads called thenicudad.com. He is a small business owner in Austin, Texas, and along with his wife, Jen, are active supporters of multiple charities that serve the NICU community. We have him here today to kick off NICU Dad Discussions by telling us his own NICU story. I am so excited, Alex Zavala, to have you on our first podcast specifically for dads. The We are looking very much forward to working with you to produce a new podcast called Dad Discussions. So, I am honored and just so excited to talk to you today and hear your NICU story. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited about all of this um, and just uh, hopefully excited to see what we could do for NICU families, but also mainly NICU dads. And uh, Well, those dads are to... often mm-hmm. overlooked, you know, and uh, I want to share with our audience, Al, if you don't know Alex, Alex is the NICU dad, and uh, as we mentioned in his introduction, has a wonderful blog for dads, and is very active in the NICU community, in uh, his his daughter's hospital, but in our community, and does a, a lot of work, uh, does a lot of good for our NICU graduate families, but uh, you're, you're not a small little guy, are you, Alex? You're a big guy, got a full beard. I mean, you are a handsome man and, uh, you know, one that you wouldn't think would shed a tear. You just are a tough-looking tough guy with some tattoos going. But as we've discussed, as we've gotten to know each other, it does, all that falls away when you have a traumatic birth and a baby in the NICU. And dads are very vulnerable, but we don't always talk about it. We just, you know, we kind of, the dad takes on the tough guy role in the NICU because he's got to take care of himself and his wife and the baby, and there's just a lot going on. But I'm so glad that you are going to offer this space for dad discussions, real NICU dad discussions about what it's really like 
in the NICU. And to start, I, I just really want you to start from the beginning. Tell us how did you become a NICU dad? What do you remember about that day? Well, for us, um, and once again, I mean, thank you guys so much for doing this and just everything you do for the NICU community. So for us, uh, both of both of our daughters are, were born premature. Uh, our oldest, my stepdaughter, uh, was born at 30 weeks, and she weighed three pounds, six ounces. And our youngest was born at 27 weeks, and she weighed two pounds, five ounces. And with her, that was my NICU journey, um, and that's really where I became uh, a NICU dad was with our youngest. So with this pregnancy being high risk, as soon as we found out we were pregnant, we were seeing a bunch of doctors. Uh, we always joke now about how we had more pictures of our baby before she was even born than after just because we were getting so many sonogram pictures and ultrasounds and stuff like that, um, just constantly checking up and making sure that she wasn't born early. And we did shots. Uh, which was quite an ordeal, uh, if anybody's ever had to do that. Uh, I was having to administer shots to my wife, uh, I think, weekly, and that was a completely, uh, it, it was a giant nightmare uh, within itself, just doing that um, and all the difficulties that come with that. But everything was going okay with the pregnancy. Uh, everything was fine, and... About at 27 weeks, we just went into 27 weeks, uh, they administered a test that they do. And uh, at 27 weeks, they do this test, and it tests the proteins um, in the mother. And pretty much, if the test comes back positive, you're likely to deliver uh, within the next two weeks. And we took our test, and it came back negative. It was on a Thursday never forget this. Uh, it was on a Thursday, test came back negative, and the doctor said, hey, you know what, you guys got a two-week window, uh, go and travel, you know, do whatever you, you need to do to, you know, to take care of, because after this next, you know, after this two-week period, um, you know, we're, things are going to be touchy, or, you know, we're, we're going to have to be more sensitive to everything, and that was a Thursday. So, that Monday morning was the first day of summer for our oldest, and we had planned on spending our first day of summer swimming and everything. I was going to go to work uh, for a little while, and my wife went to work that morning. We had gone the day before to one of the stores uh, to register for our baby shower. Um, you know, something you do about that time going into 27 weeks, it was something we were going to plan for. So the day before that evening, we had spent shopping around, looking at things and, and registering for our baby shower that we were planning on having, you know, a few weeks down the line. But that next morning, that Monday morning, uh, my wife went to work and I dropped off our oldest. Uh, at my mom's house, at her grandmother's house. And I went to work also just for a little while. Uh, I was just going to go for an hour or two and then come back, and we were going to spend our first day of summer together. So around 9 a.m., I'm at work probably about 45 minutes 
from where we live. And around 9 a.m., I get a call. I get a phone call. And it's my wife. Um, and I can't understand anything she's saying. Uh, she's just crying and crying. And um, she finally, uh, I can finally understand that she's telling me that her water broke. So we're just kind of in shock. Um, you know, she's 27 weeks pregnant. Uh, I'm thinking the worst. Um, she says her water broke. She doesn't know what to do. She's at work. Uh, they're calling an ambulance and the phone goes dead. And her boss calls me back and her boss is a friend of our uh, friend of the family. And she tells me that her water broke, they're calling an ambulance, and they're taking her to the hospital. And that's all they tell me, really. So I'm sitting there with this news, and like I said, I'm, I'm thinking the worst. 27 weeks, I've never, at, before that, I didn't, the survival rate that I thought for 27 weeks was zero. Um, pretty much when she told me her water broke, I, I thought we lost our baby. And so I jump in my truck and that 45 minute ride to the hospital was made in about 10 minutes. Um, I'm sure other NICU dads, uh, have made that car ride and it's like nothing else. Um, there's a lot still of promises. Pa- still so painful to talk about, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, After yeah. After all this time, you can just hear the pain in your voice and it's, it's like been, you're back there, right? You're just back there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every, it plays like a movie in your head. Yeah, you ev- every, time, every time, every time. It's been five years, and I'm never going to forget that car ride. Um, there were so many promises. There were so many, I swear I'm never going to do this again. I swear I'm going to start doing this, and just please, 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 and just begging and pleading, you know, with whether you believe in God or a higher power or any, anything. I mean, you're, you're just holding on to hope on that ride, and... And, you know, it plays like a movie now. It played like a movie then. Um, it was kind of an out-of-body experience. I mean, everything was just so surreal. Um, just like in the movies, you know, it was the truck pulling in to a screeching halt into a parking lot and a dad running into a, a hospital and starting, you know, just like in the movies. I ran in there and I'm like, where where's the maternity ward where my my wife they brought my wife in and in an ambulance and she's having a baby and where where do i go where do i go and you know somebody pointing to me down this hall and running in there and the movie didn't stop the movie didn't stop i ran into the room and i opened that door and it was just another scene from a movie. It was my wife on a bed surrounded by a team of doctors. 
and there's her boss and every, you know, she has this look of fright. She was so scared and she's crying and, you know, her boss is crying and I'm walking in and we don't know anything. We don't know anything other than the baby, you know, we're just trying to save the baby's life. And the doctors were trying to slow down uh, everything to make sure she didn't go into labor. And uh, we just kind of look at each other and we're crying and holding hands and, you know, and I'm telling her I'm sorry. And uh, why were you apologizing? Do you remember? Like, what were you? Yeah, I was just, you know, like nothing had changed for me as far as still thinking that we were, our baby was was done. Um, you know, and I was just telling her, I'm sorry for all this happening. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it's the months before where you're trying, you know, being a high risk pregnancy, you know, and all the stuff you go through. Uh, you know, to have it, to have everything happen like that, um, you know, I don't know if it makes it worse uh, because you were so careful. You were so, you know, you were already stressed. And then, you know, to see it happen like that, I don't know if it was just, you know, I imagine it's probably still the same, but it's still, it was still so hard. And, we went and just like everything else, and like I said, you know, I'm, I know I'm, we're just another story in this book of NICU families that goes through the same things. Um, before we could even reel or even compose, you know, grasp what was happening, we find out that the baby's breached and they're going to have to do an emergency C-section. And, you know, I'm trying to get information from the doctors and, you know, I'm trying to tell them, you know, like, what, what do you, what do you mean? What's going on? And, um, and just as quickly as, you know, we, here we are, baby's coming and we're taking the mom out and, you know, so this is all happening only in a matter of minutes and they whisk her out and, they tell me, you know, they take me back to go and get scrubbed up for surgery. And I barely have enough time to shoot a couple of text messages to, you know, my parents, you know, her sister, just to let other people know kind of what's going on because nobody knows what's going on. And they take me back. Uh, I get scrubbed in, get my, you know, uh, everything ready for surgery. And there's a lot of alone time for a NICU dad, or at least there was for me. Right. And so you're, it's a very, very lonely, scary place. Um, and it, it's, it's humbling. It's, it's everything. Um, you know, the, the emotions, I, I mean, I guess that's why it's still hard to talk about today. Just because of the different scenarios and situations that you're dealing with are, are things that you wouldn't want to wish you're on your worst enemy. Um, you know, when they take her into surgery, you're not worried for both. And 
of course, that's not going to change. That's going to be your next, you know, the rest of your NICU experience is going to be you worrying about more than one person. Um, I had a moment where the doctor was walking by and, you know, he got me ready. And before he left, you know, I'm asking him, pleading with him to just take care of my wife and my baby, just, you know, just to make sure that they both survive because that's what you're going into. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, you don't know if you're going to lose one or both or, you know, or how this is actually going to end. And we get in the C-section, you know, into the operating room and they do the C-section and that, um, we have that experience and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure like everybody else, they, I'll never forget them taking my daughter out and saying, you know, oh, it's a girl and not hearing anything. Dead silence. Um, And that silence seemed to last forever. And it it was just, it almost um, was so long where it it, uh, confirmed my suspicions, you know, or confirmed my thoughts just because they you know they tell you oh it's a girl and they take her and just silence you there's no baby crying and it seemed like that little however many minutes was a lifetime um and then thank god um uh, i hear her cry and i know i hear a lot of other dads talk about that um about how long that that really seeing uh before you hear that cry uh sometimes when they take a baby uh out in the c-section and um from there uh it was a team of doctors working on my daughter and seeing how little she was and what she looked like it just it seemed unreal and then my focus Un- went back that, on my wife. Unreal that she could live. Just she didn't. Yeah, yeah. And there, there was still, there was still, you know, with her being so small, and you know, the whole experience. It was just she can't be okay. You know, it. You're, you're just hoping and praying that, you know, let everything be okay. But just let her make it. And. You see her, and she's so fragile and just so tiny. But then, you know, there's a team of doctors around her and working on her. And uh, then my focus goes to my wife, and she was losing a lot of blood. Um, She was really, you know, kind of going in and out of it. Um, And so, I I mean, that was my concern next was, you know, is she going to be okay? You know, it was just, it's supposed to be one of the most happiest points of your life, the birth of your child. And I don't want to say it was a nightmare, but it's the two mixed together. Right. You know, it's, it's a nightmare that you're in, but at the same time, if everything comes out, okay, it's one of the greatest days of your life. Um, so they got they got Jen, my wife, 
uh, taken care of and she started doing better. And they, they took our daughter Emerson um, back into the NICU and they took Jen to recovery. And so they asked me to go if I wanted to see my daughter in, in the NICU. And I said, absolutely. They had already taken uh, Jen to recovery. So I go back there and I see her. And as crazy as it sounds, I knew immediately she was going to be okay. You could just, she was such a fighter. Um, and you could just see it. You could tell. I could tell. And I, I took a picture of our hands touching and that tiny little hand grabbing my finger. Um, her hand was about as big as the tip of my finger and uh, about as big as the nail on your thumb. And, but I just knew immediately she was going to be okay. Just, she had so much fight and I'm in here taking pictures of her and talking to her and just, trying to spend that time with my baby, but then um, you know, the, the guilt uh, that a lot of NICU dads have um, starts coming in. My wife hasn't even seen our daughter. She doesn't know what she looks like. She doesn't know, you know, anything about her. And, you know, the norm is a baby's born and headed to the mom. You know, that's, that's what you see. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. And that doesn't happen for Nikki moms uh, a lot of times. Um, so I tried to take a bunch of pictures and then I, I left her uh, as hard as that was to go see my wife and, you know, I'm kind of showing her pictures and she's still trying to come back to normal, you know, uh, after surgery. And that, you know, that's, that's the NICU shuffle for, for dads. Um, you know, that, that's, that started for me of who do I need to be with? Where do I need to be? Um, and, and what do I do? I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard to describe all the emotions and feelings that happen at, at this one time. Um, because you're responsible for everybody. You're fine, even though inside you were freaking out and breaking and trying everything you can to hold it together. Because you're also talking to doctors. Um, you know, you're trying to be at two places at once and trying to take care of a hundred things all at the same time. And so they told me, because Emerson was so small, um, the NICU there couldn't handle her. Uh, so she had to be transported to another hospital. Oh, that's and, scary. I know so many of our families are in that situation, unfortunately. And then it often means the babies are separated from their moms, right? Yeah, exactly, and exactly. So NICU shuffle you just talked about becomes... Uh, I don't even know the right word. It's more than right. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 definitely um, and it's so common, um, especially for the 
especially for those reasons. Um, we, um, we went and they transported her to Dell Children's Hospital in Austin, uh, which once again was probably about 30 to 45 minutes away from where we lived. And they asked me if I wanted to follow the ambulance to the hospital. And I couldn't believe it as I was saying it, but when they asked, um, I said, maybe, and everything in me was telling me to say yes. But on the other end, I had my wife in the hospital and let us not forget our oldest is still at grandma's house. And I'm barely able to kind of text people to give updates. And so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And just to give you a time frame on how fast all this happened, that phone call came at 9 a.m. in the morning that Monday. The baby was born around noon. <laughs> so everything happened just in a matter of three hours or so. Um, and so they they took her, and I, I mean, this is another another thing about moms and what they deal with. The they were taking they were transporting our daughter in a uh, an ocelot that was ready for transport, which basically is like an incubator that's completely covered. Um, you can't even see the baby in there, just barely. And they wheeled, they were wheeling her out. They stopped her. They, they stopped right by my wife and I, and we snapped, we, we took a picture and that picture, I know we don't think about it a lot, but it's so haunting just of, of the NICU experience in the beginning and what we go through. That was our baby picture. Like that was our first family photo. And that was the only glimpse that my wife had of our daughter. And it, it's just, it's so wrong, you know, and unfair for it to be that way for, for Nikki families and, and, and moms and dads, you know, you're robbed of so much, but they took her and took her to the hospital. I made sure that everything was set up for my wife and, and what she needed. And I left there, went home. The whole time afterwards, I was like, I need a shower. You know, <laughs> I, I need to, you know, figure out what, make sure my daughter, or our other daughter's okay and she has dinner. And and that's that started the bigger NICU journey and the bigger NICU shuffle of of dads that have a wife in one hospital, a baby in one. And then you still have siblings and pets and work and everything else in, in, in another area. And it, it's always of where are you going to go? Who needs you the most? And what do you do? And I remember I left the hospital. My wife's sister had come in and, you know, that helped us huge. You know, that was, that was just so huge for us because um, she got to stay with her while she healed in the hospital. And I ran home packed up our dog and some clothes for my daughter, went to my parents' house, visited with her for maybe an hour or so, made sure she was taken care of. And then I drove to the hospital and I spent the night there. And that, 
you know, and just kind of have that whole experience, which was, uh, it, it was something I'll, I'll, I'll never forget also. I mean, walking in and seeing your baby in the NICU uh, with all the tubes and, and wires and everything uh, all over them, it was, uh, it, it was, I don't know, it's indescribable. Uh, <clears throat> the picture I get in my head, I, I am a big guy. Um, I'm probably about six foot, weigh about 300 pounds. And <clears throat> the nurse that was in there, the first time that I saw our daughter, um, she's now a friend of our family and, <laughs> and everything. Uh, she's part of our family, uh, which most of your NICU staff uh, becomes. But she's a, a, a not, uh, she's a very small person. Um, she's probably about five foot or so. And I'll, I'll never forget this. We joke about it now. But the first time that I walked in and they, she pulled the cover back, I lost it. Um, you know, just seeing how frail and how small and just that whole, that whole image of her with all the wires and, and just, you know, not looking like a normal baby that you see that's delivered. Um, it, it was just, I don't want to use the word, the word horrific, but sometimes it is. Um, right. You know, and your baby doesn't look like a normal baby. And, and it just, it's so scary. Uh, so scary, but I just, and I, think, I lost And it. I think you're trying to be brave, right? You, you, I think for, for moms... It's, you know, I, I, I don't want to be sexist in any way, but I think for women and showing our emotions and, you know, breaking down in sobs, you know, but, but I think for dads, that's, it, they feel, I, I don't know, a little more reserved that they can't Oh, absolutely. Show I mean, there's, and, there's, there's a, a machismo there that, that we're, you know, not supposed to cry. Um, and I, and I, I tell everybody this, I never cried before this. Before our daughter was born, I was not a crier, um, you know, and that's how I was brought up. But from that day forward, I mean, especially when I talk about this, then and that's why you get what you get. But, you know, seeing her that way, um, and I don't know if it was the, the total of every, all the day's events or so, but I just couldn't compose myself anymore, and I just lost it, and and like I said, here I am, this big guy with this tiny woman just rubbing my back, telling me it's going to be okay. <laughs> and uh, Thank God for those nurses. Yeah. You know, they've seen a lot of dads before you, and they, Absolutely. they understand. They really do understand. Yeah. And So walk me through. So now how long did Jen have to stay in the other hospital before she was discharged? Well, you know, hats off to my wife. Um, she's a very determined woman. Um, they almost let her out and discharged her um, the next day, almost. Um, but she, I mean, physically, she just couldn't do it. Um, she ended up staying in the hospital, I think, uh, for two nights and then was released. But she, she couldn't walk. Uh, you know, she was still healing. But there's no keeping, you know, a mom away from her baby. So 
uh, luckily and thankfully at, at the hospital that we're at, uh, they had in the NICU, they had these sleep rooms and we were fortunate enough to, to get them, uh, pretty much every night for almost a week. Uh, that, and that, that was just, a an adventure within itself. We would, we would go and we would spend the night there and sleep there and, which was great because I was wheeling her around in a wheelchair and she would pump in there and it, it, it was just such a great experience, but we would also have to pack up our stuff and see if we were going to get it uh, the next night. But fortunately, like I said, we, we were able to have that for a whole week and that week uh, my wife was able to heal and she got to the point where she could walk around and everything. But you know, and we had our baby just right down the hall, which which was huge for us. Well, what I would like to do is pause now, and let's come back um, in our next episode and talk about how you supported your wife and returned to work and handled all the things that you had to handle during that long NICU journey. And then I want to hear from you your best advice for these Nikki dads that are listening as they are going through that time in their lives, possibly right now, or uh, just sharing those, those experiences. So if that's okay with you, let's pick back up on our, that next, sounds great. our next episode um, of Dad discussions, Nikki Dad discussions. But um, thank you so much for just being so vulnerable and willing to share your your time and your feelings with us. And I'm so looking forward to all that we have planned for Nikki Dad discussions. But thank you, Alex. And I look forward to continuing our discussion. Yes, thanks for having me. If you are a Nikki Dad in need of support or want to become a mentor, please visit our website at handtohold.org. There you will find information about Hand to Hold's national peer-to-peer support program, professional and educational resources, milestone bead program, support group curriculum, and much more. You are not alone. For more information or to speak to a Hand to Hold staff member, contact us at info at handtohold.org.